Hi, beautiful soul. This is Claire and the Art of Life podcast, and this is the very particular and um, secret pregnancy series, which is now on its eighth episode. Uh, I'm speaking again from my bath, having a sacred bath down in the rooted ground floor um, on the marble streets of this Italian medieval quarter in which I live and in which I have this really magical house and in which I am gestating this mystical pregnancy. And a lot continues to happen daily in this gestation. I have clocked up four full months and I'm entering into a, a more, at least internally, physiologically, a more stable um, aspect of the process and that feels really amazing it feels like it's been a lot of work not just to adjust physically um, and when I say adjust to make way for the that which wants to come into being Um, but it's also been like like a, a lot of mystical work, really a lot of mystical work, a, a lot of very hard recognition of the state that things are in the world and how I relate to those things, the state of the world, and how I want to inhabit the world. Um, not being in bondage to the mechanisation of the sacred feminine, which of course cannot be mechanised, but the mechanisation of women, of all that comes from the womb and of women's knowledge of themselves, their true nature. Um, I've always known, as I mentioned probably in, in the earlier podcasts in this series, I've always known that I would birth directly in nature and or in a natural aligned space near nature or right in it <laughs> and um, though I'm still working on wanting to sell this house because it's very big and it's a lot of work for one person to maintain and restore and so on um, I've done a really good job on literally zero budget most of the time and the place is is really beautiful you know really ready and actually filling it with a child <laughs> would solve part of the problem of it being too big it wouldn't solve the problem of it being a lot of maintenance to clean and so on but it certainly solves the that part of the problem um of some of the rooms not being used <laughs> The rooms would be more used and it and it would be a magical place for a child to grow up in. Absolutely magical. Um, but yeah, the, the work of pulling the house together, of creating boundaries, of clearing out my relationship has been enormous and recognition of having the theoretical experience in my imaginal realm of what a, 
a pregnancy might feel like in this place and time in this culture and atmosphere and amongst these people that I live amongst um, with the family that I'm weaving my ancestral trails in with their ancestral trails and creating this new trail I again having having been completely in wild pregnancy and completely unmeasured, unchecked, unpoked, unprodded. Um, I've gone into that in the earlier podcasts. But being in this whole state, I can really feel everything that wants to come up as it as it wants to come up. And I'm not filtering it or blocking it in any way. And that is part of the power of the feminine to act as this vessel. This is what this is what we're meant to be doing. We're meant to be acting as a vessel through which life flows. And even in a non-gestating state, that is still the case that we are a vessel through which life flows. And we've been turned into something other than that. And our the average life is very other than that, other than being in the mystical and other than being in symbiotic union and being alchemists, the bringers together of the unified field in Earth, in Gaia Sophia. Um, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing to imagine what it would be like to inhabit the magical realm as a, a woman who is just dating and as a woman who is bringing new life into a new time amongst all this atmosphere of the old clinging on for dear life and the, the old patriarchs standing on the crumbled ruins of their castles and forts and demanding that we, they, we bow down to their authority. Um, yeah, it's a very particular time. I had a, a strong confrontation with my partner, the father of the child, yesterday and was very upset and left the house that, that he lives in, that I was meant to be having lunch with him and his mum, and which I do every Sunday. And as I walked home briskly, clearing my mind, I had this really big... Um, upwelling of by him showing his fear bearing his fear stepping out of silence and bearing his fear very strongly to me um, it helped to pull up like the force of it rising upwards and outwards helped to pull up and out of me my fear which in women very often has to be occulted because basically if we were really honest about how the world is making us feel on a daily basis, we would be consistently in tears, extremely angry, and just saying no a lot of the time, basically, which is kind of the state I'm getting into now. But, but ultimately, um, like we have to keep these facades and the law in order and the politeness and the customs of the cultures and the cult 
that we live in in order that people don't reject us. And that's a really big work. It's really big work to try and convince everyone that even if we're, you know, even if we hide our wildness really well and we keep our wildness um, out of the Sunday lunch and out of the discourse around babies and out of the discourse around when do we tell his mum and when do we announce it publicly, in a state of gestation, in an ongoing living state of gestation, that is just going to, you know, the wildness is going to blossom and bloom. And that, I just really want to stand by, you know, stand behind, accompany you, accompany all of us in this, how that is okay no matter how we express ourselves, is okay. It's all a matter of learning, adjusting, tweaking, but it's all good and it's all getting more good. And that's really important to focus on that. Like, as I walked briskly out the house after meeting my partner's mum on the street and apologising, but I have to, you know, have to go. Um, and I can't stay for lunch, even though it's like an institution, you know, staying for Sunday lunch and everything's prepared. And, and I, I was really apologising and saying that I'm sorry, but I absolutely need to clear my mind, need to prioritise my clear mind, get fresh air and walk. And I can't eat just now. I don't want to eat. And I, I had a feeling as I left his mum and walked down the road it's all down downhill from their house to my house, which is nice. Just one straight road. It's really, really nice walk. Just like about 15, 20 minutes walk. It's just, it's a, a really nice, it was nice to do it without a heavy meal in my tummy. And nice to just feel the power of my confrontational energy that it, it had risen up. And now it expressed itself and the emotion had been, had the wave of the emotion had broken. And I felt right, you know, I didn't feel bad about drawing the line with my partner. I didn't feel bad about saying what I really feel. Didn't feel bad about him saying what he really feels. And didn't mind that those things were clashing. Like none of it felt wrong in any way. Like the, the conventional ideal of sacred geometry in a relationship of it being this perfect triangle or this perfect parallel. And that there should never be any sort of wavering or waves or flickering or so on um, his mum came round bringing Sunday lunch to me this morning and we had a nice chat and she was saying well you just you know you can't be arguing and you'll just have to just be friends and that's it and, and I was thinking oh there's another layer to this <laughs> you know I didn't want to announce anything yet because <clears throat> the weight of my partners not being educated about natural birth is very heavy on me and I, I want to speak about that in this podcast too about you know what it is to straddle these two worlds and how as women we are going to have to do that in one area or another of our lives our work our health our spirituality our sexuality you know we're going to have to face it in some area of our life and it it won't all be unicorns and rainbows and um, orgasms and expansion there's places where everyone will have to deal with these patriarchs in their crumbled towers as they 
stand there with nothing naked of the adornment and of the ceremony telling us that we have to bow down to them um, or trying to stand in what they see as power, trying to stand in their empty power, which always was empty, but in the old days we used to all submit to it and stand in front of it, but really it was our power that we were giving to them. And now we're in a state of reclaiming our power, which means, of course, like nobody has power over us. Nobody. There is nobody who has power over an autonomous person, or rather an, an autonomous living woman or living man. And that it's very hard to explain that to someone who is unconsciously or numbly giving allegiance to systems that are destroying them. Very hard to, to keep instilling in someone that they are in slavery and they're enslaving themselves and they're pushing themselves and they're damaging themselves. They don't have to be. Their body doesn't have to become more dysfunctional as it's older. Really, and I, I really literally mean that very, very... I'm very clearly saying, I'm not saying we don't have to age. There's going to be wear and tear, there's going to be scars and bumps, and there's going to be disalignment, but that alignment can always come back into alignment. And if anything, as we get older, certainly in my own case, my health was worse when I was young. It was worse in my teens and 20s and 30s. And then once I got into my 40s, I started to become much more sovereign in my health. And since I reached 50, just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I am even more so, like absolutely clear as I enter this phase of gestation, this gestation that I've been waiting for all my life and have so felt the absence of all my life. I've been so wanting to have a child and been so close to having a child, have conceived so many times, have lost and bled and emptied my womb so many times. And it, it really felt like I was on an infinite cycle. It felt so many times that it felt like I was stuck on a, a perpetual loop. And despite that, over the years, every cleansing, every releasing of the womb has been a strengthening process and has been the right thing, like I needed to let go. The bleeding supports the letting go. I feel like I already had, as I've mentioned in the earlier podcasts in this series, I've already had, um, I think, three separate bleedings as if I was menstruating. And the first time, obviously, the first time, I just assumed it was a miscarriage. But of course, no material came out, no particularly large, what might be called clots or pieces of tissue. None of that came. So I just assumed I might have lost the conception earlier and that it just took 58 days for the body to sort of process and break down and then release as blood that you know the, the womb is very mysterious and the womb does what it needs to do it it's not going to do something else just because i tell it to or because somebody gives me a medicine it's going to do exactly what it needs to do and i had three bleedings progressively less so and all of them accompanied by a very clear release of emotion, release of mental 
detritus, a release of memories, a joining up of memories, a smoothing out of memories, you know, almost like making butter or something, a, a smoothing and creaming of me m uh, memories and feelings and instead of them all being staccato, all being separated and destaccato, like divided and, and frictional, as I speak about in my work at great length, um, most of life is built on these artificial pressures that we should be at war, essentially. And the polemic, the, this aspect versus that aspect, is thoroughly, thoroughly indoctrinated, like built into the fabric of our being. It's built into ourselves, our synapses, our emotions. It's built into, through the language and through how we look at our bodies as if our body is something there, an object in front of us, rather than us being it, experiencing it as we're looking at it, both experiencing it and seeing it. And all that confusion of separation comes right down into how we track ourselves or allow ourselves to be tracked and traced and surveilled and ultimately everything that is about separation, everything that's about, you know, even the way we store our memories, the way we think of our memories and hiding ones that are not happy memories and grasping hold of the ones that are happy memories expressing in public on social media specific images of us smiling inanely <laughs> and hiding the ones of when we were frowning or when it didn't catch the right angle or didn't show this lovely extrovert jolly persona that we want to present online even that you know that is this, this idea that that is our identity this idea that we are something other than ourselves something outside of ourselves that we can present in a different way from what we actually are, from what our actual nature is. And I've been endeavouring for many years, like really honestly and openly endeavouring to, to remove all of those filters and all of those barriers between what I know to be the mystical and what I'm experiencing as mystical and perfect and sacred geometry and powerful and vital and energetic and healthy. I'm trying to remove everything that's in the way with the language, with the polemic, with the separation, with my own disbelief in myself and my true nature. I've been working really hard to, to present myself in the actual world <laughs> as a natural woman. And it's amazing the complexity of what refutes that, how the, how the majority of the majority of our systems, hierarchies and so on literally obscure it and hide it and hide, try to deny it, you know, down to the arguments with the carabinieri about whether or not I'm allowed to breathe or whether or not I have to pay money to them if I'm going to breathe. 
um, in reference to the lockdown and so on. Um, my partner not hearing what I'm saying, like ignoring it and moving on to the next thing, which is how he feels rather than hearing how I feel, telling me that I can't feel threatened or he's not threatening me. He's telling me he's not threatening me and I am very clearly expressing I feel threatened. And yeah, both are also untrue, but both are also true because I want to be supported in my autonomous and sovereign body and I want to be supported fully in the birth unfolding and in order for someone to do that who doesn't know about natural birth they sure as fuck are going to have to sit down and listen to how that's going to unfold because their fear has to be not not quelled by my imaginal realm mastery of how I know it will unfold, how it can unfold, or what we will do if this or that transpires that isn't the perfect outcome. Um, I know, well, many of us know, I'm not, not just me, I know, but um, it's very well known that in natural, orgasmic, expansive, intuitive birth, wild, free birth, if someone comes in with their stuff and trying to interfere from their fear and pushing the need to transfer to hospital, the need to take medicine, the need to cut or get expert opinion, um, which of course negates the expert opinion of the woman whose body is actually functioning perfectly. Um, all of this is going to affect the physiology. It doesn't matter how confident the woman is in that most vulnerable state between life and death, in that state of transition within the body as the body begins the actual release, there, the psyche and the emotions have to be able to express the, the small ego seeming impossibility of it they have to be able to the ego has to be able to fully express itself it's part of what allows everything to unfold correctly and in order for them to fully express it there needs to be somebody there who's going to say I hear you and you can do this I hear you that you're terrified and you think you're going to die but you can do this and you're powerful and capable there's something about being able to go to the very edge of life, being able to go to the very rim of the earth, the very rim of experience, and fully, you know, fully arrive there, fully sit there, and you know, we as women being conditioned into being a two-dimensional woman or a, a completely disempowered woman we're taught from a really young age to not raise our voices, to not cry, to cross our legs, to make sure our skirt stays down at all times, meaning the, the flounce of it staying down, that it doesn't flare up like Marilyn Monroe style. 
the raising of the skirt, that's a whole other mm, art movement and spiritual movement for women. Um, we're told almost at every turn by men and by other women to, oh, you know, calm yourself or, oh, don't, don't say that or, no, that's, that can't be right or that's not true. We're consistently, consistently pushed away from what's true and what, what is true as us and then pushed towards what isn't us, which is politeness above all, um, keeping your knees and arms covered above all, <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. Um, even to the really subtle weight, pervasive weight of rape culture, which says that the woman should not encourage a man to violate her by being beautiful, by being confident in herself, by being expressive in her clothing. That it's her fault if she's attracting that which is which wants to violate what she is. That it's somehow on her. It's not on the man to change how they behave himself and the people that he knows, the men that he knows. And yeah. Again, back to my confrontation, this is part of how we perpetuate the models in which the woman just doesn't get supported. I very blessedly have the capacity to find the support that I need, no matter where it is. I will find someone to speak to deeply about the deepest stuff that is going on and coming through me. I will absolutely find comfort and hugs and not meaning going and having another relationship, not meaning um, the superficial, but I will find whatever is uncomfortable in myself, I will find outlet for. And I will find support and encouragement for. Whatever wants to express itself, I will find the support and and really that is that is on me in a culture in which there isn't a lot of support and in fact in fact not only is there not a lot of support but there's a huge amount of prejudice abuse and wrong thinking which is directed towards women which is specifically designed to sabotage and specifically unconsciously sabotaging women in their sovereign choice to be in their nature, their natural nature, and to give birth in natural nature. Like it's just birthing. It doesn't need an extra word on the end of it. It is what all animals do. It is what we've been doing for millennia. It's how we proliferated our population around the planet. We've always been doing it and the problems that arose are all to do with medical intervention and again I'm not going to go into the controversy of that I'm just presenting this as like that is a real thing that people really believe that it's the saviour and it's the abuser they believe it's the the god the good 
and it's not it's the devil it's the evil frankly you know I have to say it out loud I know it's a, a very in the collective conscious the word evil is very complex it's simply as I've mentioned before in this podcast it's simply the word the word live turned around and it's really important to to recognize that that what isn't towards life is just away from it and that's what evil is it's something that's going the opposite direction than life so there is this like collective conscious that I as I walked away from my partner's house and away from Sunday lunch yesterday I had such a strong feeling of everything's okay because I'm walking towards life that's all that's all that matters like he's got his issues his mom's got her issues the culture's got its issues but none of that is the, a weight that I have to carry. It can exist and it can be there, but it's not a weight I have to carry. By the time I got home and I was not really hungry, I didn't really want to eat at that point because I was still quite upset and my tummy was sort of not, not feeling like attracted to food. I needed to digest some more emotions first. And so I took a couple of hours to chat with friends and to write some stuff down and to express myself and take care of myself, put the hot water on, had a shower or a bath or whatever it was, and got the fire on, got fed eventually, and just rested, had a lie down, really listened into my womb, listened into exactly what was going on in my womb, and I could feel, you know, I really needed to clear, you know, there was an aspect of my being that wasn't clearing well what had gone on, so I had the conversation going round and round in circles in my head that wasn't very relaxing. So I went into that and like breathed, breathed that circling down into my body and just asked for it to be digested, to be metabolised. And it was, it was eventually. But part of it metabolising and releasing was my recognition, firstly, of how it connects how the conversation that we had connects with this kind of heavy heavy cloud not not a cloud like a cloud in the sky a heavy cloud between each of us as humans that is the collective presumption the the collective trespass and presumption which is presented to us individually in transactional approach is presented to us through the doctors, through filling in forms, through taking medicine, through charting and measuring our progress and so on, especially in gestation, it's presented as obligation. So this obligation is something that is a real thing and yet it actually only has power if we're submitting to it. It's very hard to explain this to folk who do submit to things that take away their power. It's very hard to explain how the retaining of our power is completely effortless. Um, sometimes it might be effortful, like when I had to release a load of emotion, stomp out the house, pack up my stuff and say, I'm leaving, I'm not going to stay for lunch. You will have to explain to your mum why I'm not staying for lunch. I have to go, I have to get clear my mind and I have to clear my lungs, ground my body and I can't eat just now that the act of doing that helps the metabolizing and help the movement of something that when we don't question it and when we just go along with it, we just 
stay in this sort of static, stagnant, cloudy state where we defer away from our own emotions or our own needs so much that we actually end up identifying with this cloudiness and this hazy fog of, you know, how do you feel? Oh, I don't know. Or like, what do you want? Oh, I better just do this. Or what are you planning to do? Oh, this is obligatory, so we better do that. You know, when one is completely clear and sovereign, it's very easy to have emotion as an engine, have breathing as a means of metabolizing, have everything in living harmony with everything else, including old memories that came up of how I fell out with my dad and left home and old memories of violent partners and old memories of having been entangled as a young woman in the medical system when I lived in London in England and the weight of oppression on our culture by English culture in Scotland, the weight of oppression of American culture in Scotland and in Europe all these weights adding up ultimately, you know, they're all they're all in the imaginal realm. None of them are in the physical body and the physical body has absolute precedence. It has absolute authority under God because our body is God-given. Our health is God-given. We come from a moment of conception which is mystical and God-given. We know this. All of us know this. Therefore, if we go back to that and go back to what grew from that, that is the sovereign thing. The body is sovereign. It, it can't be intruded upon unless our will is separated from the body and our imaginal realm is separated from the body and our emotions are separated from the body and they're all sort of prized apart and kept apart. And if they are in that state, you know, prized apart and kept apart and so on, then it, it will be possible for something to you know, for the cloudy fog to creep in between us and our emotions, our true nature and our heart, our true nature and our womb. And therefore, when we need of our womb, when we need our womb to tell us what to do, there won't be an answer directly. We'll have to go through these layers of fog to get to it. And that's and then, and then there's the whole thing of like when there's a crisis, like a crisis or crises, like a confrontation or a threat externally, like a cultural presumption of obligation by a woman to be that her womb doesn't belong to her, it belongs to the state or belongs to the medical system or belongs to the family in which she's interweaving as she weaves together the, the ancestral lines into a new timeline. Um, that obligation exists in the imaginal realm of all these people and it has a, a certain power but the power of the woman separate from that a woman who actually has her wits about her actually has an aligned will and body and mind um, even though I, I too had to do like most people had to do quite a lot of unravelling at the beginning of the the lockdown and the, the so-called mandates. Um, I had to do quite a, a lot of study to convince myself that what I ultimately knew 
was correct, which is, I don't want to. I don't want to put a mask on. And my want is, a, it's a divine will. It's not just like that I'm a stroppy divine being saying, I don't want to. I, I do not want to. My mind, body and spirit are thoroughly informed about what is lifeful and for life. And this is not for life. It's not for my own protection. It's not for your protection. It's for many, many other reasons, which none of them pertain to health, life, mental health, well-being, community, etc., etc., etc. And that that unraveling of that um, process took a, it took a long time to get from my head that knew I don't want to my will that says. This is not for me. This is not right for me. I, I choose not to. And to actually say out loud to a person in authority, to people in authority, even still my heart racing and sweat and terrified that they're going to actually find me and they're threatening to find me and they've got a pistol in their pocket and so on. Um, despite all of that drama, I followed the right path out of that and there was no real threat. The threat was in the imaginal realm of the carabinieri threatening me, of the hysterical post office folk, because I wasn't wearing a mask. But the the reality of it, you know, really, I was able to see clearly with open eyes and with unclouded eyes, that there wasn't a threat to my health or to their health, especially not to their health, but certainly not to my health, either. And because I was able to hold that I didn't get fined, I didn't get arrested, I didn't get war, uh, warned. Well, they, they tried to warn me and they commanded that I go back home and put on a mask and um, demanded my identity and demanded this and demanded that from me. And, and, you know, I gave them what I had in my pocket, but I wasn't going to give them my right to breathe and I wasn't going to give them the right to abuse my body or kidnap me, take me somewhere in their car. You know, I, I was just simply standing and just... There's, there's infinite ways in which we can we can stand in that power and stand in that sovereignty, but ultimately it really does come down to such, such simple facts and staying in the actual facts of the matter, which is, I'm not a criminal. You're discussing something as if it's a crime. What you're talking about, what you're looking at is, I am a living woman breathing in this flesh and blood. I'm not doing anything wrong and there's nobody that can prove that I'm doing anything wrong. If you give me proof, some medical document that is actually based on reality to say that, that there is this danger coming from my mouth, my nose, my skin, then that would be really interesting. But I know, I already know that you can't do that. So again, in the context, the bigger context of there being a child growing inside of me, there being my partner who's scared shitless and doesn't know how to navigate it and wants to really fixate on that, wants to be cemented into that, like wants me to see the cement that he's making in his imaginal realm, wants it to be real for me, um, which ironically he does have some influence over making it real for me. He can actually create such disturbance in my imaginal realm and in my body that I would end up going down a road where I can't complete my parturition. I can't birth freely and I do need to go to hospital and have my belly cut open. But I know too that this 
the path to sovereignty is always moving forward as long as we're listening to the signs and moving through whatever the fear is that's coming up. You know, if I recognise, like I did yesterday afternoon, when I came in, like, I recognised then that the imaginal realm of my partner and his family is real and the imaginal realm of the community is real and I know the attitudes that they have to health because a lot has been revealed during the past while, you know, with the lockdown and so on and the plan of the demics. But ultimately, my power is much greater than any power to suppress me. Like ultimately, if it really came to it, there is infinite option. And this is the thing about being sovereign and free. There are always infinite options to solution available, always, at all times, in all situations. There is no situation in which the universe will not open up a door or not create some miraculous intervention. In fact, that's probably what miracles are when there really isn't a physical solution and the universe has to plonk one in there for you because that is the law of the universe. You are sovereign and you're standing in your sovereignty and you've earned your karmic freedom. Therefore, the universe has to present a solution for you. <laughs> and that is the nature of our, our ability to manifest. So... Although there's difficult moments of feeling overwhelmed, like emotional overwhelm, because I have this hormonal upwelling going on inside me and the feeling of isolation occasionally, which isn't a real isolation, but it is, you know, I am very, very aware that there is not a, a natural community of women that I can rely on around me. There's not a mother figure. There's not a, a gran. There's not a neighbor that I can say, guess what, I'm pregnant and I can't wait to give birth and I'd really love you to support me. You know, I've got friends far away and I might well be doing a live call on Zoom whilst I'm in labour with these friends to discuss what's going on and to get their support. That's entirely possible. You know, we'll make that work. But I'm very aware that there's like a, a lack of, because there's a lack of that, it's very easy to feel suddenly pushed, pushed over by somebody just, putting their foot down or ranting about some hypothetical, terrible thing going wrong, which is not based in facts or it's just based, based in their not knowing, but they're wanting to somehow mitigate that, somehow um, create a, what's it called? A, um, there's these forms that you have to fill out when you do an event, like a... a estimate of how much danger there is I forget what you call it um, but you have to do it when you take like groups of kids or whatever blah 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 made up stuff in the system that bears very little value and learning for us and just keeps us from actually learning through doing <laughs> risk assessment that's the thing the risk assessment so yeah, it's very easy to get knocked off by somebody, not even talking about risk assessment, but talking about the worst case scenario and how terrible it's going to be. When the pain, fear, tension cycle of the woman is absolutely vulnerable to that, absolutely vulnerable to it. And I, I want this man to be involved in the birth. I know he's capable of being involved in the birth. 
I know that this would be the most amazing experience of his life and it would change his life. I know that. It's just obvious and it's a fact, a natural fact. But at the same time, I absolutely will not subject my vulnerability as a powerful birthing woman in birth, in labour. I will not be subjecting that to any exposure. I'm already like terribly psychic and um, alive sensorially. I'm very, very, uh, I feel things very strongly and I'm able to read the world around me, including people very, very lucidly. I can very lucidly see what someone is thinking when they're not saying it and see what they're feeling when they're not expressing it. It's just clear as day to me. And that will be exacerbated I don't know, hundredfold, maybe a millionfold, <laughs> when I'm what's called laboring, when I'm going through the parturition and going through the release of the child. Therefore, I'm very clear that um, that controversy has to, there has to be a boundary between me and that controversy, somebody else's fear, um, and the again the tension, fear, pain is a very real natural dynamic. It's a spiraling downwards and spiraling inwards dynamic that is very unhealthy, that, that inverts our power of imagination onto ourselves and creates a, a negative feedback loop and causes our nervous system to become rigid and make our flesh rigid, which then doesn't allow the energy to pass through that needs to pass through as the waves, the surges, the sensations start coming in a natural high tide, shall we say, of birthing. Um, so, yeah, even as I got into something of a panic related to my own past and the trauma of my, my utmost fear about what could happen, that if someone tries to physically call the services to come and intervene in my birth, I, I, that will never happen because I know that there are myriad, myriad options and the myriad options are related to my being sovereign. If I wasn't sovereign, I wouldn't think for a minute, I would just sit in the fear and wait for it to come to me or know that it might be coming to me and that that would then physically affect my birth. But because I know that that is a possibility, I can prepare for it. And as I get clues from how my partner navigates this, what his mother's opinion is of it, as I get bigger and more visible, what the town in general is thinking about it all, once I get the clues, I'll know what the right action is. The right action might be reinforcing my doors. It might be reinforcing the inner door in the room that I know I will be birthing in. It might be literally creating a bunker or a safe room, you know, an actual safe room. It might mean bricking up the fucking door. <laughs> but I will have everything that I need in there and I will muddle through and do it on my own if I have to. I also, if I feel that it's safer to remove myself before the birth, I will literally get a rucksack on my back and start walking. Literally get on a train, get on a bus, get on an aeroplane and go to a safe house, find a safe house somewhere else. I, that's literally what I will do. If I have to do that, that, if that's the right thing that I have to do, I absolutely will do that. And the process of going through that, like really thinking it, feeling it in the imaginal realm and going through it is not to 
create a crisis, create a drama, create the worst scenario for him, for the partner, the worst scenario for the child. It's not to create further problem, it's to solve the problem that is the fear. The fear needs to be diffused by using the imagination to create solutions. And there are infinite solutions, even in the worst case scenario, which for me would be having anyone interfere negatively in my birth, in my body, mind and spirit and naturally unfolding exactly as they should. That would be my worst case scenario. But but by definition, that will never happen because my body, mind and spirit aren't separate and don't have, they've got natural neuroses, which because I attend to them as they come up, it's like weeding the garden. Not that I weed gardens much, but... <laughs> You know, there's space for them to grow there, the weeds. There's space for these memories to come up and just be there. They they will naturally leave. And when they live their life and when they go, it's they don't have to they don't have to guide my life, they don't have to dictate my life, and I don't have to act from them. I can freely and fluidly express myself emotionally in a wide range of emotions. A uh, nice uh, rainbow um, spectrum of emotions. And I can use my art to express difficult feelings. I can use my sewing to protect my body. I can use my homeopathy to also protect my mind, body, spirit, bring them more into harmony, ease myself through the more painful feeling of vulnerability. Um, Again, I've been working a lot with the Vernix Cassiosa, the matrodonal remedies that are just absolutely amazing. Anyway, yeah, suffice to say, a, a sovereign woman always finds a solution. Like there is never a need to submit. There's never a need to compromise the things that cannot be compromised, like the absolute security and safety of the mother baby the mind body spirit of the mother baby as one before they separate like that absolutely cannot be separate they cannot be separated then nor in the postpartum period nor as the child is growing up until it's time for them to leave home then they can be separated there's just right separation in right time and there's nothing that i would allow to come between me and the child nothing and that's absolute law, that's absolute natural law, that's God's law, that's universal law, that's cosmic truth. And it, it doesn't need to be argued, it can't be argued, it simply is. The power of its isness makes it true and makes me able to tap into it and to be immune to anything that wants to trespass it, frankly. You know, I can have an uncomfortable conversation when I'm in my friend's house, I might have an an uncomfortable confrontation occasionally when I'm fully pregnant and I'm out in public, which probably I won't be out in public much because I don't really want to be exposed to that kind of shit because I know how prevalent it is. I know people's stupid ideas. Never mind how old I am. I'm not even talking about how old I am. That's going to be a whole other reason for people to think that they need to get involved or project shit onto me. Um, so I need to be really, really build up my strength to protect myself from that. But I own my own home. I have big doors on the home. I have locks and keys. And I have the potential to even reinforce those doors. 
and close the windows and so on, switch off the phone and block any emails or messages or private messages that come through. And this is really, you know, like knowing how sacrosanct this is and how perfect it is and how it doesn't need intervening upon is the ultimate law. It's the ultimate law that should be carried around by all folk all the time in life. But it maybe takes something like this, like gestation, to really draw these lines, to really stand up and take up the full space of our mind, body, spirit in the world and to and to say no to this presumption of trespass, this presumption of intrusion, presumption of taxation, presumption of obligation. You know, it maybe takes something for women to recognise how wrong it is that the whole world is like stealing from her, stealing her energy and her identity and her power. But yeah, when we do... <laughs> We really get it, don't we? When we get it, we really do get it. And um, this is a very exciting time for me, really getting it. I've got lots more to share around this, especially around like having clocked up four months of gestation and feeling so like, you know, I've had, I've had lots of like beeps and boops, lots of twinges and emotional stuff and psychological stuff, like trying to put my house in order, like the physical house and and the, the lifestyle, trying to put that in order, lots of fears and neuroses that have come up. But really coming into this, like essentially into the fifth month, it just feels like there's absolutely nothing. There's not even a fear. There's, not, there's nothing that's wrong. There's nothing that isn't right, really. <laughs> all is right, even. You know, all is good. All is as it should be. All, it, all is it just is. And it, you know, even the unraveling of that sentence and statement just now, you know, you see how I go through a process of starting by saying there's nothing wrong rather than saying everything is right and everything is as it should be. You know, it takes a while to come from one to the other, doesn't it? So I'm going to wind up now because the water in the bath is a wee bit chilly and there's no more hot water in the tank. <clears throat> um, I really look forward to expanding this conversation even further. And I'm actually today and yesterday, I've been working the last couple of days trying to find a decentralized podcast in which to share this podcast more anonymously, not completely anonymously. At the end of the day, I'm announcing my name and my website at the beginning and end. And I'm saying my name and my voice is my identity. Folk will know my voice, but... I just want to hold off actually until the process is further along and I'm surer of myself. I don't want to do the conventional way of doing it, which is to tell one's family, tell one's friends, all one's friends, tell, you know, be visibly pregnant in public. I'm still going to, not huge lengths, but I'm still going to significant lengths to wear clothing that is you know I've got quite a bump already but I'm you know it's winter and I'm able to hide it well and I am making an effort to do that so that I don't have to have a discussion yet I don't have to accept the weight of people's neuroses that they want me to deal with that they feel obligated to pass on to me that they feel that should be my worries and my concerns um it's a it's already a, a very big 
um, weight to carry of women in general having to feel no, not having to feel women standing in their right to feel right about birthing naturally, about being pregnant naturally, about just being pregnant. You know, the, there's such a lot of bullshit around that that it's it takes you have to wade through it. It's really fucked up. But and this is a huge but when we actually do it. Each step of the way, each thing that is thrown at us, it's really easy to bat it away. It's really easy to not take it on board. It's really easy for it to not cut and knock us down. It might be occasionally we might get knocked a little bit sideways by our partner being shitty with us or, you know, God knows what his mum's going to think. But, you know, it's possible to to take it. Um and work with it, you know, even if it does hurt us or cut us, you know, to really work with it and move beyond it. But the important thing is pacing and not completely making ourselves vulnerable. So keeping privacy for as long as possible is a big part of that. And also, you know, I probably shouldn't have gone on so much about how old I am, because I love to say about how old I am, because people see from the way I dress and the way I live, they, they presume that I'm a lot younger. And women that are my age, 50, really do look a lot older than me. I mean, I look older without makeup. And if I'm not standing up straight, I suppose I might look a bit older. My hands are working hands, you know. I've been chopping wood and carrying water all my life and painting and digging and gardening. Um, and my hands are show my age, certainly. But, you know, to... I'm going to talk in a further podcast about age and about how the age is actually irrelevant um, as I go further into this process of gestation. But suffice to say, you know, that's probably going to be the biggest, you know, the, the issue of like whether or not I birth in a hospital isn't an issue for me. I'm not obligated in any way. I'm not under any authority. I'm not registered with any doctor and I'm not under any health authority in inverted commas. But the general consensus is that women have to be interfered with. And I can deal with that in the right time, you know, if I pace myself. I don't want to have to deal with one conversation after another in the same day or meeting one person or another in the street and talking to them about it. So I will, I'll be working at a lot of boundary around, thank you, but I really, this is completely private. It's completely private. You're talking about my body and what's inside my body. That's not your realm of affairs. It's nothing to do with you please don't ask me about what's going on inside my body. Or I will start asking you, if you want to have a reciprocal conversation, you tell me what's going on inside your body. You don't look particularly healthy yourself. And the whole thing around age is definitely something that I, you know, I really have to brace myself because I know that that will be the justification that's most strongly put on any woman. You know, she gets penalised for, or prejudice against her for being natural, for being wild, for being free, for not living in the taxation system, for not living under the health authority, but having a child when they're older, like that's just, it goes so against the idea of what a mother is that has been artificially inseminated into the the collective mind. And um, I don't want it to be my work to to break that fallacy but 
I will have to certainly break that fallacy immediately around myself as I stand in the truth that I am a healthy woman and I am naturally gestating and I will birth naturally. Um, It's... um, yeah, it's going to take a bit of a bit of cojones, huh? a bit of ovary to do that. <laughs> and yeah, my my ovaries are getting powered up by this. My whole my womb, my pelvis, and so on. I am reaching this state, more stable point where I'm not questioning anything. I'm just in the process, and it's very natural, and very powerful, and very beautiful. And elements of ecstasy in it, elements of pure joy in it, elements of deepest fulfillment and and achievement that I've got this far in my life and in this far in the pregnancy um yeah there, there's so much in it and that's where my attention should be it shouldn't be to being out in other work entangled in other people's neuroses or in this cloudy confusion of finto like pretend law you know like in inferior law which doesn't relate in any way to the natural health the natural health of a a, a living woman or a living man cannot be intruded upon by anything even if there are chemicals in the environment and shit in the water and all the rest of it the the natural health can't be intruded upon and the universe will support me in that god will support me in that and circumstance will support me symbiosis i will i will see very clearly when something's coming at me and I will divert from it. And I'm aware exactly how problematic people's minds are around wanting to suppress the power of women. And that ultimately, I'm ready for that. You know, I will protect myself against that. And I do have immunity to it. So I won't be going down that road of a controversy or being a victim or being suppressed or being harassed or being trespassed. You know, it just won't happen. If it means I have to order my food in and have it delivered... And stay in my house for for the next month. I I will do that if that's what I have to do. I will do that. And if I have to not go out in public at all, I will do that. Or if I have to leave the country, I will do that. It's just really, really simple. I'll do whatever I have to do and it will come in the right time and I will do it. Including giving birth happily and freely and orgasmically. Oh, so happy. (laughs) So excited. I'm so glad to share all of this with you. Again, if you would like to support my work, my life, my child, (laughs) please do share gift with me. I gift this to you freely as a sovereign woman and I freely accept as a sovereign woman gift from the world and it's hugely, hugely helpful to me to have extra coin, extra fiat currency, extra dollars, euros or pounds um, you can support me through Patreon. I'm at Claire Gaia Sophia. I'm on Instagram, but that's not very supportive. Um, you can support me financially on um, the Hive through crypto, hive.blog. I'm Claire Artista there. And my website is clairegaiasophia.com, where you can contact me directly, connect with me, find links to my Patreon, links to the Hive, etc. And there's a page there called Gift. And I can also share with you, once we're in contact, I can share with you more around like how how I do gift things and what I do gift. But this to me, this series is really the greatest gift I can give to the world. I know that this is what I'm meant to be doing. I've been working all my life towards this. I've always known the truth of free birth, 
I've always known it. My whole blessed life, I have known the truth about birth and what it really is and what free birth is. And I've always, until I learned the terms for it, I had an awareness around that birth would be an orgasmic state, an orgasmic event, and that it would be transcendental and cosmic. I've always always known that my whole life um, and I continue to go that direction. <laughs> Here we are at this age starting my journey as mother. Ah, heaven, many blessings. Be well, um, be ecstatic, be whole, be free, be sovereign.